Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode 151. Today, we're going to talk about donating, selling, recycling, reusing, and trashing your excess stuff. Yeah, man. So I think we'll call this one donating. Cool. And our first question today is from Christina in Sacramento. I'm going through a lot of my stuff, and I'm struggling with determining what is something I should donate and what is something that I should try and make a profit from. So I see value in these items, not necessarily um, value for myself and, and my lifestyle, but I do see value or potential for, um, you know, making a few, a few bucks here and there, like on shoes or clothes. But I also think that it's easier for me to just drop off a box at the Goodwill and donate. Um, but I'm, I'm struggling with making that determination as far as what would make me happy. Would it make me happy to donate these items to someone who might find uh, use for them? Or would it make me happy to you know, make, make, try and make a profit off of these items that I don't find value in? So, Ryan, I, I can't tell Christina what's going to make her happy mm-hmm. necessarily, but there are a few like sort of key words that I might rephrase if, if I were her. Uh, the first thing, she asked the question or really made the statement, she's struggling to determine whether she should donate or try to make a profit from these things. Mm. I wouldn't try to make a profit from the things that you're selling because you probably bought them when they were new. Yeah. And you're probably, unless it's some sort of weird Hummel collector's item, um, in most cases, you're going to lose the vast majority of the value you paid for the thing because most of the possessions that we own are depreciating right. assets. And in, in fact, in her case, they're not even assets at all. They're liabilities now, right? Because yeah. she's she isn't getting value from them. In fact, she's getting what I would call negative value, which would be a really good title for an essay podcast, Sean. We should <clears throat> we should craft something like that. But um the 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 negative value of the stuff because there is this additional weight the the psychological weight of of holding on to these things the refusal to let go and that causes i mean clearly she's calling up so it causes what anxiety discontent stress overwhelm and and maybe it's not a high level of stress but it's this low level of anxiety mm. that is ebbing throughout her life and that adds up over time man yeah i mean that's a clear sign that she's got to do something with those things you know it's funny christina if you were to just is it christina or chris yeah christina i got it right she probably goes by christine for short anyway Did i call her christine no 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 I, oh. I i'm just i'm messing myself up um christina what i was gonna say is you could donate everything right now you know to turn this podcast off right now and donate everything and you're gonna be okay like there's no doubt about that so the question isn't whether or not, you know, what's the right decision? Meaning, oh, you know, if I don't sell this stuff, then I'm going to miss out on some money. Like, you didn't really expect to have that money to begin with. Right. So, it'd be like if you, if I was walking down the sidewalk and I saw a $100 bill on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, of course, I'm going to pick it up. But if I didn't pick it up, my life wouldn't be any different. Christina, your life isn't going to be any different if you donate every single one of these things. Now, so any money, what you're saying, any money that she does make, <clears throat> if she does decide to sell any of it, is sort of a windfall in a way. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, look at it that way as anything that you sell is, you know, kind of gravy on top. Uh-huh. And then you got to decide how much gravy you want, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it may, maybe maybe it's good to, to set up some rules around this because I, I think what she's facing right now is she's sort of paralyzed by that, that decision decision right mm-hmm. where remember the the seth godin essay you and i were talking about the other day where he's talking about the, the canceling something like if it's oh, something yeah. you're, you're putting off mm-hmm. uh cancel cancel the thing so so in in this sort of analogy here you want to cancel these items right you want to cancel these physical items and then give yourself one week to do something with them yeah so uh just to rephrase what you're saying is is she needs to set an end date for all of these things to be out of her house yeah and one or two things are going to happen well a she has to commit to that end date uh-huh. non-negotiable pick a date stick to it that's step number one right and then the second step is yeah you're either going to be christina is going to be motivated to sell that stuff or the end date's going to come and she's going to be like yeah i didn't really have time to sell i'm just going to go ahead and donate all of it but either way right she's got to honor that end date no i i totally agree man so the, so so maybe the w- w- let's put some parameters around it. My, my own life um when i was a question i would ask her a few questions one is do you have any debt then i would be more aggressive about selling things to right. try to pay off the debt yeah i certainly don't want to come across like you know if, if, if there's something sitting there for 20 that she can sell for 20 dollars, 20 bucks is 20 bucks right and if it's easy for her to get, sell that item and get 20 bucks then do that like we're not we're not saying uh to just yeah don't worry about the money um you're right if she has debt that's more of a reason for her to dig into it but this is what she's got to ask herself how long is it going to take me to sell that item for 20 dollars? yeah because your time worth yeah if it's going to take her 20 hours to sell an item for twenty dollars, she's got to post it. She's got to, you know, filter through all the people trying to, you know, pay half as much. She has to uh, repost it if it expires, and she doesn't get the price. So yes, she has to figure out what her time is worth. Absolutely. Yeah, and and, and that's an individual question, yeah. right? There, everybody's there, everybody's there are different. billionaires whose time. I mean, they'd be better off just donating the car because the amount of times that takes selling a car would just not be worth it for them because their their time is worth a particular dollar amount yep. now neither one of us are millionaires or or especially not billionaires no. and, and and so you have to take that into consideration what is your time worth put a dollar amount on it but then also what is the psychological cost that goes on top of that because yeah. let's say your time you know you're working somewhere and you're making 20 bucks an hour then you can say well my time is worth 20 dollars an hour and if i can sell this one item in half an hour for 20 dollars, well then i'm making 40 bucks an hour that makes a whole lot of sense for me to sell this thing however just because you think you can sell something for 20 bucks doesn't mean you necessarily will and so that's why i think that end date of a week is so important i used to say 30 days but when i read that seth godin essay it was like oh and we'll put a link to that in the show notes sean it's about it's about canceling big projects and saying i'm either going to cancel this or i'm going to take massive action on the thing and i think that's really where christina is right now and, and and I would be even more aggressive with selling things if I had debt. And so for me, I'd put some parameters around it. We have something called the 30-30 rule when it comes to buying new things. And it's if something costs more than $30, then I'm going to wait at least 30 hours to bring it into my life. Well, maybe you you take a iteration of that rule and you make that applicable to your life where, hey, maybe if I can get more than 30 bucks for this or whatever your time is worth, mm-hmm. and I spend less than an hour on, on that, whatever that dollar amount is for the hour, then I'm going to spend less than an hour trying to sell this thing. Now, for me, I... 
eBay became my best friend uh, when I was trying to get out of debt and selling a bunch of things. Yeah. There were, for me, it was above 20 bucks. Anything over 20 bucks, I would try to put it on eBay. Yeah. And I didn't always succeed. I held on to some of those things way too long because of the sunk cost fallacy, right? Yeah, that you nailed it, dude. She's got to get comfortable with sunk cost. I mean, that is that is ultimately where this is leading. So she's going to decide, okay, here are the things that I can get some money out of. Here are the things that are worth my time to sell and everything else. It is sunk cost. You're never gonna get that that uh, the that money back that you paid for those items, but it's okay because yeah. maybe someone else will get value out of those items, and and you've created a you know situation for someone else to have something maybe they typically would not have had if it wasn't for you uh, donating that to a you know, your f- favorite donation or your favorite charity or whatever it may be. Well, let's talk about a few of those charities. So if you're selling stuff, I rec- I mean, I tend to recommend three places to people because this is what I've, I've used two of them. I've not used the third one. Uh, uh, if you're selling stuff, Craigslist is, is really my go-to. Oh yeah. Um, in fact, we will back. She just sold her, her car on, on Craigslist, you know, two weeks ago and someone came out from Idaho to pick up the car mm-hmm. and um, it, it all worked out. So Craigslist is a great place to sell things. You're also going to get in and with spammers and, mm-hmm. and you have to consider that as part of the cost. There are mm-hmm. going to be people who email you, excuse me, madam, is the item still for sale? And I'm stuck like, in the UK, but I, ha- <laughs> 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 but I have a business friend in America who would like to take a look at your car. In order to pay you $9,000, you need to wire me $500 yeah. first to make sure that, and so you're going to, you have to be very weary of that, but Craigslist yeah. is a great place to sell, especially bigger items. Uh, recently, we sold an old coffee table on Craigslist. We sold an old end table, and it wasn't old, it was just, it was old to us. Uh, we weren't using it anymore. It was from when Bex and I combined households and then we had this extra table and this other extra table in table and sold the because it was like perfect timing too it was kids going back to school and they're like yeah we'll buy that for 50 bucks or 100 bucks yeah. even though the sunk cost to me was like no that table cost me 250 dollars and my first re- reaction to that is i should sell it for 240 then <laughs> and if we get back to christina's original question what she's saying is well, I'm trying to figure out whether I sh- whether or not I should make a profit. Well, for me, that would mean I have to sell the table for 260 bucks, and then I'm just going to hold on to that begrudgingly for a long time, and that psychological cost is going to compound. There's compound interest on some of these psychological costs. Yeah. That little bit of anxiety you're feeling right now will be twice as much a month from now, a year from now. All of a sudden, you're stressed out. You don't realize why, and it's that fear of letting go. And so I think I think Christina. If you want to sell the stuff, you have to give yourself a, a, a timeline. So pick 10 things that you really feel good about selling that's worth your time selling. Sell those things. If you can't sell them the first week, then donate them. Uh, oh, the third place I would recommend selling stuff is Poshmark. And the only uh, reason I know about that place is because uh, Podcast Sean's wife uh, sells some stuff on yeah. Poshmark from time to there time. There was another charity you wanted to bring up. Oh, oh, there's, there's, so those are the places to sell. There's a few places uh, with respect to charities because a lot of charities are so localized. Mm -hmm. Uh, Goodwill is the the big exception. I I really like Goodwill. I enjoy donating stuff to Goodwill for a couple reasons. One is it's convenient. Mm -hmm. Two is they have 2,700 donation locations around, uh, around the United States. And they, they, and but I understand people's aversion to it because they're like, well, if I donate my clothes, they're going to sell it. And then how do I make sure those clothes get to people in need? Well, 
Goodwill is still a charity. They take that money. Last year, I think they made $2.8 billion, mm-hmm. 84% of which is used for charitable, I mean, that non-overhead related expenses. Right. That's pretty phenomenal. That's pretty awesome. I mean, a charity that uses, their United Way, I doubt, uses 84% of their revenue, mm-hmm. the, uh, their donations to for charitable goods. And, and, and so they, um, in fact, let's put a link there, there in, in the show notes to, to show a lot of the good that Goodwill does without getting bogged down in the stats uh, of it. It's Goodwill does a ton of good. Now, now one thing, Ryan, that they that, that is difficult uh, that, to get over is like, they, well, they pay their CEO a lot of money. Well, apparently their CEO manages the, the company really well and they're able to donate 84% of the revenue they make yeah. as a result. Isn't that a good thing? Yeah, it's never bothered me that they make money off of it, dude, ever. It's never, I've never even thought about it until someone said something like, oh, I don't do that because I'm giving them something for free and then they're selling it but it's like they have the infrastructure mm-hmm. they have the means and it's not like they're 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 trying to gouge people with their prices i mean no. i don't know if you've ever shopped at goodwill <laughs> i know both of us have yes and like dude they're not gouging for prices so i am totally happy to give my goods to someone who has the infrastructure to redistribute those goods to people who actually need them like i have that, that has never bothered me now, well, I think that uh, if you're a woman and you have clothes to donate, mm-hmm. then maybe the best place is not to uh, donate to Goodwill because, uh, especially if you have like professional clothes, mm-hmm. there's a, a charity called Dress for Success. Um, and uh, what they do is they help uh, women who are interviewing or they're they're trying to um, they're trying to get professional clothes, mm-hmm. and, and so they'll, I believe they'll even pick it up for you. Uh, so Dress for Success, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And the last thing I want to recommend because. Uh, charities are so uh, d- the donation places are so hyper localized. Like I remember back in Missoula, we would go to um, a donation warehouse, mm-hmm. and in fact, they would pick stuff up from you. In fact, we bought some furniture from them when we first moved yeah. to Missoula, yeah. and that's how we we learned about them. Yeah. As people were donating their stuff, and so we got value from s- some of the things we bought from them relatively inexpensively and then they'll pick up your old mattresses and stuff like that but you probably don't have donation warehouse wherever you live if you're listening to this unless you're in missoula but if you go to donationtown.org that's how i found donation warehouse you just type in your zip code and it'll tell you well here are the three places in or near your zip code that will come pick up and it's very specific they'll pick up mattresses this place will pick up toys this place will pick up anything Mm -hmm. and so if you go to donationtown.org you can find the local charity for you or if that doesn't help you out uh, especially with things like batteries those are hard to get rid of you know especially we live in california it's illegal for us to throw out batteries in the trash can mm, oh um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, best buy takes them here but oh, uh, and, and so does target but um wherever you are you can just google where do i don't or where do i recycle batteries where where do i donate blank in your local area and you'll find like the the specific charity uh to which you can donate you, these these excess things that you're not able to sell yeah christina i mean really get clear on what you want your your life to look like or what you want your your the things in your house how do you want them to uh to appear in your house what spaces do you want to fill up whatever it is like just get clear on what that ideal scenario is anything that distracts you from getting to that scenario you've got to uh oh, we need another towel. No, no, no. <laughs> Podcast Sean, do you have a small towel? Uh, yeah, no, I think I got it. I use my hand. What I'm getting Sorry. at is, is like we will start to flinch at stuff. Yeah, we'll start to flinch at. Oh, well, uh, you know, I, this is how I want my life to be. 
but in order to, to get it that way, I need to get rid of this one thing. And oh, that one thing I paid a hundred bucks for, and maybe I could get 20 bucks out of it. Those, those little barriers, those little hurdles, mm-hmm. um, jump over them as quick as possible. Yeah. And if that means just donating your stuff, like I, I promise you, Christine, it's going to be way more worth it to you than just to just get rid of it than it is to sit here and worry about every little nickel and dime that you can make off of right. something. Because the, the price tag or the money involved is only one component of a much bigger recipe. And I love what you just said about having a vision mm-hmm. because that vision is going to keep you on track. It's sort of the horizon or the destination. The direction is probably the better way to put it. Your vision is the direction in which you want to travel. Now you'll get where your house is closer to your vision and the vision might shift a little bit. It might Mm -hmm. pivot slightly or it might pivot significantly once you start letting go of some of these things and you're like, wow, I can let go of more. This is, this is freeing. I feel lighter. My house is way easier to clean once you start getting rid of these things and you get that, that momentum Mm -hmm. and that momentum carries you forward. Letting go builds the muscle of letting go even more. Uh, Christina, I'd love to send you a copy of our book. Uh, it's called Everything That Remains. It's my favorite thing that we've ever written. And really, it's a story story of, of me and Ryan letting go, and whether that's selling and donating, recycling, reusing, trashing our excess stuff, and the whole process of, of letting go. Everything from Ryan's 21-day packing party to uh, just my eight-month experiment in letting go. And so I think you'll find uh, value in our downsizing journeys. So, uh, Sean, if you could reach out to Christina, send her the audiobook version of Everything That Remains. If you like the podcast, you'll like the audiobook version. Or if you want the, the physical book or the ebook, we're happy to send those to you as well. Our next question is from Don in Aurora, Illinois. Now that all of my friends and family know that I've been decluttering and um, minimizing, I found a lot of things that I do want to give away to friends because I don't want to give it away just to donate or just to a stranger. I find things that are meaningful to me and I'd rather give it to somebody that is a friend that comes to mind. However, I'm worried that if I give it to them, they're going to be offended that I'm just offloading my junk onto them. Do you remember the time I tried to give you all of those neckties when I was I was simplifying my life? I this was uh, 2009, yeah, and and I had just discovered minimalism, and I realized how many damn neckties I I had. I had at least two, maybe three necktie holders worth of neckties. I knew I had too many because sometimes I would put more than one tie on the 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 same sort of peg on the necktie holder. I had. I've tried. I probably gave you seventy ties. Yeah, and they're really nice, expensive yeah. ties. I kept like four of them, and then I just donated the rest. But yeah, I, I, totally I spent thousands that. of dollars on neckties. Yeah, what? Yeah. I, dude, I spent thousands of dollars on things. I am embarrassed to admit that I spent thousands of dollars on. <laughs> Man, uh, you know it's funny. Like I, I don't, I've never had anyone be offended though by me offering them them something. I mean, I could see where the trepidation comes in. Yeah. It sounds to me like. You know, and Don, I'm not, you know, trying to say your friends are bad or anything, but it sounds to me like you got friends who are trying to call you out on, you're afraid that they're going to call you out on something. They're being petty. Yeah. And and it sounds like maybe this is what her friends do. Oh. 
and she's and she's like, oh, well, this is what they always do. So if I go to them and offer them stuff, they're going to continue to to be petty, or they're going to continue to do this. Or or maybe it's, I mean, there, there's sort of two ways to do. It. There's a the real petty, passive aggressive, nasty way, yeah. and there, there's a way where you and I like we can rib each other in a way because we know each other so well. Yeah, but even then, I can't imagine that you would be like, oh. Uh, w- good job, minimalist. Passing your time, you you, yeah. you would do it in a way that was actually funny. That wouldn't make me feel concerned. In yeah. fact, if you didn't want them, you, you, I'm sure it would uh, hilarity would ensue mm-hmm. as soon as like I tried to pass these off to you. You would do it in a way that was kind and loving, mm. even if it was like ribbing me a little bit. Yeah, all Don. All you have to do is just preface with your friends hey you know that i've been simplifying my life you know that i've been getting rid of stuff and i've got a lot of nice stuff and i hate to just give it to goodwill do you need any stuff in fact here are the specific things i have that i think you might be in need of i'm not going to be offended if you don't take them i'm not going to be mad if you tell me no but I just wanted to offer, you know, my nicest things that I'm getting rid of to my closest friends and family. And Don, if they judge you for that, then get new friends. <laughs> <laughs> you know, our friend uh, Colin Wright, uh, he's on tour right now. Uh, we often call him the third minimalist because uh, he's the guy who exposed us to this idea of minimalism early on. He's the first first guy who, uh, first person out of the many, many minimalists that we've been inspired by. But he was the, sort of the first one. And even though we didn't want to live his life, we were really inspired by the fact that he was able to uproot his life, let go of the superfluous. And the one way that he donated a lot of this stuff to his friends, actually, mm-hmm. he was living here in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and he and his girlfriend had a break up party which in and of itself is that was actually the inspiration for the packing party yeah yeah um yeah he wrote about that let's put a link uh to that essay podcast on in the show notes yeah definitely the uh, party it's a great essay and uh he goes in depth in his book uh, called my exile lifestyle he's naked on the cover of that book um <laughs> with a computer over his private parts as soon as i feel comfortable taking a naked picture i'm totally going to recreate that book cover <laughs> i think because we're so uncomfortable taking it would be even <laughs> better for us to do it probably we should both put on 30 pounds and oh then remake God. the cover yeah um, no i know where you're going with this man the uh the 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 uh, garage sale room yeah. essentially yeah, yeah he had the free yard sale room that's a dude that's a great idea and so so as they were getting ready to move him and his his partner who who uh they were splitting up they they agreed together like at midnight we're going to we're, we're going to change our facebook status so that's that means it's official we're no longer in a relationship uh at least that was official i guess in 2008 or 2009 whenever that was and um and and but in that process, the 30 days leading up to it, they had a free yard sale room. They, they took the, the room, that one of the rooms in their house and said, hey, that's our yard sale room. We don't want anything in there. If you would find value in anything in that room, mm-hmm. then go get it. Don't show it to me. Just take it out of the house. If you're not going to find value in it, that's okay too. We're going to donate the rest as soon as we're done with that. And so that gives that gives your friends the option because it is better to give someone the option than it is to thrust upon them 70 of, neckties. Of course. But even then, like... It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> right, right. Uh, although, I mean, I, I guess the the uh, what I'm saying here is what I probably should have done is say, hey, Ryan, I have 70 neckties yeah, that you, I'm no longer going to use. Would you like any of these? Yeah, you gave me the option. I remember you were like, no, just whatever, you, keep what you want and then just donate the rest. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, like but, I can do that. Which, which That was the cost of taking the ties. They were nice ties. I really, I loved those ties. <sighs> Dude, I had, I can't tell you how many people 
in uh, our old job in our old corporation we worked for, they would tell me, dude, every time I see you, it looks like you're running for president. <laughs> I'm assuming that's their way of telling me that I, I dressed like almost like too nice. <laughs> but but those ties were a big part of it. man. <laughs> so I was happy to donate the rest of them. I, I think it's important to also keep in mind that just because you have gotten value from something, doesn't mean someone else will too and that's one of the things we confuse but i think the opposite is also true uh just because you're no longer getting value from something doesn't mean it's a piece of trash right. someone else might get value from it it's not going to magically start bringing you value again right you know, the the teenage mutant ninja turtles that i played with at age seven if i hold on to them now they're not going to start like all of a sudden wow yeah i should just start playing with those again <laughs> and when we when we when we illustrate it with such absurd terms then we can start to realize that a lot of the physical possessions that we have are sort of just grown-up versions of of toys and and i'm not getting value from this but maybe just maybe someone else can so letting go of those neckties sounds like you got some value from them yeah absolutely and, and uh there's a there's a better way to approach it for sure though definitely so instead of giving them, maybe ask them if they need anything. Maybe try out the donation or the yard, the free yard sale room. And of course, maybe try to sell a few things, if, especially if you're in debt, Don. I think that will, uh, that, will, that will help you on your journey of letting go, determining what things you should sell, what things you should donate. And of course, there's a leftover pile. There's going to be trash there as well. And we need to be upfront and honest about that. If you can recycle things, great. If you can reuse things, great. But it's already trash if it's just sitting there in your house collecting dust. Indeed. Don, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Essential. It's an essay collection with 150 essays about simple living, about intentional living. And it's sort of the best of the minimalists. And I think there are two chapters in particular that you'll find value in. There's a chapter on stuff. Actually, three chapters. There's, a, there's another chapter in there. Uh, oh, four chapters because there's a chapter on minimalism. There's a chapter on stuff. There's a chapter on relationships and there's a chapter on contribution because that's one of the things to think about here because the stuff's collecting dust in your house you're not really contributing beyond yourself but if you let go of it you can contribute beyond yourself in a meaningful way so sean if you can reach out to don center the audiobook of essential essay the essay collection or um the book book or the ebook if she wants those all right y'all we'd love to hear what you have to say so if you have a comment or tip about donating or selling including advice for any of our callers today, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. We'll air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. And stay tuned to the end of this episode for this week's listener comments and tips. Ryan, what time is it? It's time for our lightning round, where we answer questions from social media. Indeed, we do. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at The Minimalists. During the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I each do our best to answer every question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 characters the response we also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you like and now you can find all of our quotes in one place minimalmaxims.com our first lightning round question is from jewel jewel says i have lots of items like games that have pieces missing i know the missing pieces are in my house somewhere and the game is no good to anyone with missing pieces but the stack of things i'm ready to part with that have missing pieces is overwhelming i want to get rid of things consciously throwing things away that could be useful as soon as i find the missing piece seems wasteful help oh my god that is like there's so many metaphors here there's so many metaphors and that question like just reading it exhausts me 
I can only imagine the 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 uh, exhaustion that Jewel is feeling from this this question that is constantly rattle, well, rattling around in their head. So the metaphors that I see, not not just a sentence, but like she actually had to posit this question in two separate tweets. Her life is so overwhelmed she couldn't fit it into two hundred and eighty characters, mm. and I totally get it. Uh, and uh, we're missing it, it because we feel like we need to collect all the pieces. Everything is relevant, mm. right? So I'm gonna I, I need. Uh, what's 280 times two, Ryan? Quick math podcast. This is 280 times two is 560, but that's not the point. Jewel, everything is relevant, dude. Even the things that aren't relevant, and Jewel is making relevant. That's what I'm saying. Everything feels so relevant, right. so urgent. We can make everything. I can make this piece of paper relevant, right? Even though it's not important, right? And so, so first thing I think she needs to do, and I, I didn't really write this down, but she needs to, to delineate urgent from important because that's the big thing that we often confuse. Mm. Everything becomes urgent, and now these puzzle pieces all of a sudden are urgent. You need to cancel these puzzles, yeah. the, the, and you have seven days to find the piece. Otherwise, you have to let it go. Now, letting it go means trashing it so you, because it's not useful to someone else, right? Mm -hmm. But there's also a beautiful metaphor in here. Maybe the puzzle, just like life, is never going to be fully complete. And maybe that's beautiful, right? Mm. But you're not getting value from it anymore either way. So give yourself seven days. You've canceled it right now. You have seven days to let go of this thing. Let me give you my, my pithy answer here. The best way to declutter is to avoid new clutter before it enters your home. And so, uh, to me, this is really... I, w I wanted to expand on this because she's going to let go of this, but the same thing is going to happen. There's going to be other things that have missing pieces, right? Mm. Really, why is she afraid to let go here, right? It's just fear. It, yeah. the, it, the, it's not the puzzle piece. It's not the puzzle piece that's holding her back. It's her fear of letting go. Well, the question, too, is like, let's say she's got a, a, a Monopoly game and it's got some missing pieces to it. Huh. And... Uh, is she going to play Monopoly if she finds the pieces? Like, that's the question. Right. Um, maybe, maybe uh, you know, Jewel is uh, concerned like, well, I've got this game and it's got missing pieces and no, I'm not going to play the game. But if I do find the missing pieces, I could donate and someone else could play the game. Right. Uh, well, that, I mean, you're going to be constantly caught up in this limbo <laughs> of of justifying the things that we hold on to. Mm -hmm. um, I love the idea of giving herself a deadline. Well, here's the thing. Here's my here's my pithy answer. Holding on to something incomplete will make you feel just that. Mm. Incomplete. Yes, indeed. So, Jewel, the feeling that you have, it's going to get better if you let those things go. And you know what? You might let them go. You might give yourself a week. You go through your house. You try to find the missing pieces. You don't find the missing pieces. The week is up. You go and get rid of that stuff. And maybe you find the missing piece the following week. It's okay. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. I mean, the, 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 the game that you're holding on to with missing pieces, this is a physical object. Physical object. Whether it's sitting in your house, whether it's sitting in a, in a donation uh, warehouse, whether it's sitting in a recycling bin, whether it's sitting in the trash, like that thing exists. Yeah. Out of every, out of all the places I just named where it could be sitting, the worst place it could be sitting is in your house. Yeah. That's by far the worst place. And by the way, there's an additional sort of problem here. I mean, if I had a puzzle at my house right now and there was a piece missing, I'd be able to find it within an hour. Mm -hmm. But that's not that hasn't always been the case. I remember my old house back in in Ohio. 
imagine if I lost a puzzle uh, piece there. Like it could have been in any of those storage bins in my basement yeah. or my attic or mm-hmm. the the third bedroom in the second closet. With there could have been in all of these places. So really, what what we're exposing here, what Jewel has has exposed, and this is good news. You found out. You have way too much stuff, and that's why you're losing things like this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm not judging you and saying, I think you have too much stuff. What I'm seeing here is you're saying, I have so many things, I can't seem to keep track of all of them. Yeah. And that's when it becomes a problem. So, Jewel, let go of it. Jewel, I promise you're going to be more complete without the incomplete objects in your life. Yes, indeed. Oh, that's pithy, too. what's our next question all right our next question is from caroline how do you figure out which one to do recycle sell trash when is it worth it to go through the hassle of selling versus donating so this is very similar to christina's question yeah i think so My, my pithy answer is when getting rid of old possessions sell whenever it makes sense if you can't sell in 30 days and i'm changing that now i'm going to change that to seven days i like Sean, it change this in the minimal maxims so this is really my recipe for 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 letting go so i'll start over again when getting rid of old possessions sell whenever it makes sense if you can't sell in seven days donate immediately if you can't donate recycle if you can't recycle trash it and i just want to talk real quick about the the one in 10 out rule yeah man a a new essay on our website about it's something that really helped me early on because i was so overwhelmed with letting go but i was also overwhelmed by well of course i want to bring new things in am i never allowed to bring anything new into my life now that i'm becoming a minimalist well no i and so i found a way to sort of do both anytime i wanted to bring something very intentionally into my life something new a new t-shirt i had to let go of 10 item so if it was a new t-shirt it was like 10 pieces of clothing i'm going to let go of a a new blender i have to let go of 10 kitchen items and so forth and so on and and what you realize in that process is like oh the things i'm bringing into my life i'm curating i'm bringing in only the things i need but then also it's forcing me before i can go buy the item to let go of those those 10 things so we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well it was just like reliving my like clutter and and getting rid of my clutter yeah and it's just it feels so good to get rid of it man like it's especially like when you get to get to good terms with that with that uh that economic term sunk cost it's just freeing man it's so freeing all right my my short answer is this there's a it's this josh (laughs) (laughs) there's an official rule book for minimalism and you're the author Yes, so here's yeah. the thing, Caroline, the, the, the one in, 10 out, the 2020 rule, 30-30 rule, 90-90 rule, the uh, uh, whatever it is. These are Josh and I's rules that we use. We have written our own rule book and we differ on a couple of rules yeah. and it's okay. But like, <sighs> Caroline, you get to write the rules. What are your rules? What does your meaningful life look like? What is going to make sense for your household? You know, when I think about the 90-90 rule, for example, that is a great rule doesn't work all the time for me because I got things like a snowboard and, and stuff that uh, isn't really necessarily going to fall into that rule. But setting up these boundaries are what helps us to get through these questions. But but yeah, Caroline, you get to write the rule book. It's and, up and, to you. And the nice thing about that is... I- is creating rules that challenge you. You don't want rules that are easy. That's not the whole point of this, right? You mm-hmm. get to write that rule book so that you can challenge yourself. There's a, a new essay on our, on our website recently. I wrote about my rule of two. 
and and for me it's like I get overwhelmed with a lot of health stuff because I've been radically improving my my health over the last two years or so and I want to do everything every day I want to make sure I go to the sauna and I want to do my push-ups and my pull-ups and my squats and I want to make it to the gym and physical I want therapy do, yeah. yeah physical therapy and cycling and yoga and and sauna and but all, all of these things that I want to do and it becomes overwhelming. And so the rule that I made for myself was still challenging. It's there are 11 things I like to do every single week, twice a week. And, and of those things, as long as I do them twice, I give myself permission to feel satisfied. And then if I do them more than twice, I feel like a champion as opposed to changing the expectation. If it was every day and I only did them six times, it'd be like, oh, well, you failed. So set, mm. set some rules up mm-hmm. that, that are difficult, but they also don't set you up for failure. You don't want to set up rules that are impossible for you. You don't want the, the, the five, five rule. If I haven't used this in the last five days, I have to get rid of it immediately. If I haven't used this in the last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> or in the next five minutes <laughs> you're just standing there naked <laughs> uh, yeah so so create rules that are empowering that allow you to move forward in the right direction allow you to grow but also keep in mind you want rules there that challenge you yeah. P.S. Ryan we have one more question we do how do you get rid of sentimental items my daughter is 20 years old but I still have boxes of her baby toys in the garage so we're going to talk about that and, and Ryan it's not just about the baby toys I mean that, that's one aspect of it mm-hmm. but sentimental items as a whole is it's a really difficult thing and so let's talk about that on this week's postscript episode exclusively on the minimalist private pod podcast over at patreon so i just want to say thanks real quick to our patreon supporters you all are the ones that keep the lights on we we have this podcast it's 100 percent advertisement free but you help us pay for podcast sean we have a uh, great producer. We have Video Jordan. We don't have a good name for him. Jordan No More. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're, we're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> if you have any nickname ideas, put them in the comments below on YouTube. That's right. <laughs> so Jordan's uh, putting this up on on YouTube for us and and filming the whole thing. He's he's our filmmaker here and a great addition to the team. And of course, we have Jess who handles the social media stuff. And so we don't do any advertisements because it doesn't really align with with our values. And there there are certainly ways you can do advertisements where it will align with with your values and so i'm not judging people who have a different podcast it just it doesn't work for us and so patreon you are the reason that we're able to do this we're able to rent this beautiful studio space and we're really grateful for that and uh because of that we give you some extra freebies every every week we record a postscript episode it's a little short morsel usually about five to twenty minutes long a, a bonus episode that comes out every wednesday on the minimalist private podcast feed and that shows up right there in your regular podcast players so if you're listening to this on apple Podcasts, or you're listening to this on overcast or whatever you just get this personal link and if you are a, a supporter on patreon then uh, every week you'll get this little bonus episode we also do episodes of ask the minimalists anything and we do uh live streams we do oh our live events you get access to our live events uh we've been putting out at least one live event a month for the past i think year or so now over on Patreon. You can have access to all of that if you want. Just head on over to theminimalists.com slash support. You can find all the details and good stuff over there. And here is a snippet from this week's Postscript episode. Could you imagine? Like, instead of having pictures of your kid in your wallet, you just had your kid in your wallet. (laughs) (laughs) Have you met Johnny? (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, I, I I think, I think that's so important, Ryan, because yes, the, the, those are the triggers for memories, but also it's a, 
if you take it a step further, you're also not going to have a thousand pictures of the big wheel, mm -hmm. right? One picture suffices. And so maybe if you have a thousand sentimental items, maybe just a handful of sentimental items, you'll get far more value from those few sentimental items than if you water them down with an entire basement of unused I'll say sentimental items in mm -hmm. quotes because they're not actually sentimental to you. Yeah. If, if you're holding on to everything, if everything is precious, then nothing actually is. Okay, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. This is where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. Uh, the TV show Barry is i've not heard of it yeah, well this is so um I, the, the way i wrote this down here it's a serious comedy show okay um so john Hader is the the star he won an emmy last night actually uh, oh, wow. uh for so, uh, the Were main last night yeah awesome. I, yeah I, I didn't watch it but i, I saw it on, on twitter this uh, morning uh, and then henry winkler won his first emmy he's he's in barry as well he uh, best supporting actor 42 what? years after he was first nominated what is Henry Winkler, I know, I know the that. Fonz. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So he was nominated forty-two years ago, and this is his first uh, Emmy win. That's great. Uh, best supporting Congratulations, actor. Congratulations, man. He, dude, I, I, I know he's like known as the Fonz, but he's been in like so many random things. Like one thing I think about is uh, Arrested Development. He was like the lawyer in this. A hilarious show that I know Jason Bateman was in is hilarious. I have not seen it, man. Oh my god, dude, he does such a good job. Anyway, I just I'm so happy for him. That's awesome. Well, and and it's a great show. It's the the main character, and this isn't spoiling anything. This is the first, the very first scene. He is a contract hitman. Barry is. Yeah, yeah. John okay. Hader is. Okay, but he plays it really well, and and then he goes out to LA to do this job and he gets involved in the acting scene accidentally <laughs> because he's supposed to kill someone in, who's an actor. Um, and then he like starts taking this acting class and Henry Winkler okay. is the, the, the teacher, the teacher okay. of the acting class. And he's like a failed actor, but he's just teaching this acting class. And uh, it, it, one of the, the, the scenes that happens is John Hader is a terrible actor in, in I mean, his character. Barry is a terrible actor in John Hader's not a terrible actor, by the way. He's phenomenal in this, but Barry is a, is a, just a, this terrible act because he's a, a I'm with you. and his character is a terrible actor right and so he he has to do a scene from Glengarry Glen Ross <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this is Barry yes <laughs> all right so just a preface at home uh, -huh. uh Josh and I when we worked in the corporate world uh we would always play this Glengarry Glen Ross scene uh, it's a movie with Al Pacino in it but it's this scene where Alec Baldwin comes in yeah. and it's this very I mean, now it makes me cringe thinking about it, but at the time it was like this hard-ass boss who came in and he was going to turn the sales guys around and he was going to make them do their job. Uh -huh. And he was, you know, threatening everything but killing them, essentially. It's, it's weird because it was inspiring back then and now it's inspiring for a totally different right. reason. Like, I don't ever want to be in that world again. Right. Yeah, no doubt, dude. And so so he, so he his first audition or his first scene is to practice this Glenn Gary Glenn Ross <laughs> yeah. which is supposed to be like a hard ass yes. boss who's coming in and he's laying down the law exactly I'm here from Mitch and Murray <laughs> I'm here on a mission of, from God I wanted to make a correction what's that it's Bill Hader oh Hader. am I saying yeah so we don't get I've been saying okay uh, Jordan <laughs> Jordan <laughs> Jordan has corrected me it is Bill Hader thank you Jordan thank you yeah thank it you, is Bill. not John Hader okay. John Hader was Napoleon Dynamite is that right or no 
Okay. Anyway. Maybe I'm just making it up. Yeah. Uh, Bill Hader. Anyway, uh, he's phenomenal in there. And he has this scene, uh, but he he has only read it. He's never seen Glengarry Glen Ross, <laughs> either the play or the movie. And so he goes in there being the nice guy because he's like, I want to persuade these people. And uh, you, he, the weird thing is you have to have the context. At least go to YouTube and find the scene of... of um, Alec Baldwin playing Blake in Glengarry Glen Ross. It's like a nine-minute monologue, and it is some of the best acting you'll ever yeah. see. But then, then Bill Hader is his character Barry. Is it, he has to play it up, at, and it's so good. The contrast between nice guy, <laughs> because the weird thing is, you can actually read the script as right. a nice person. Oh my god! Hey, you guys want to know what second prize is? A set of steak knives. It's a set of steak knives. Third prize. You're fired, but the good news is (laughs) you've got one week to earn your job back. Whereas Alec Baldwin is third prize, you're fired. Yeah. (laughs) All of you have one week. You have exactly one week to earn your jobs back. Yeah, it's it's such a good scene. So uh, Barry is available. I don't know where. I don't even know. I don't have cable TV. It's available. I I think I just get it on iTunes or whatever. All right. uh, What's been adding value to your life? uh, I am lucky enough to be able to see capital records roof from where i live and a few weeks ago um i saw someone performing a concert i could hear it from my from my place i saw someone performing a concert and i was like oh my god like this sounds like troy seven uh-huh. turns out it was troy seven on the rooftop of capital records mm-hmm. but he was uh, uh playing some songs from his new album called bloom and dude it's yeah it's a great it's a great album i would highly recommend it i dig it. i really really loved his his first album yeah What's it called? called? Blue, maybe? The uh, Blue Neighborhood? Oh, yeah. It is Blue Neighborhood. I loved it. I haven't gotten into this one as much because I've listened to a few other albums, but it's there where where I'm like, I really really want to dive deep into it. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Troy Savon, Bloom. All right. uh, Let's move on to Right Here, Right Now, where we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. My partner, Rebecca, uh, in October is doing her 23-day priorities reset. And you can check that out over at minimalwellness.com. She's a dietitian, nutritionist, and also in amazing shape. And uh, she helps people reset their priorities so they can get their health back on track. And uh, she works with only 30 people at a time. And so that tends to fill up. If you're interested in that, it's minimalwellness.com. We've raised over $40,000 so far, Ryan. Woo-hoo! For the gym Dude, city that's up market, from what the update was last week. Yeah, I think so. That's great, and, man. And, and it keeps improving, but it is it is tapered off a bit. So we need yeah. your help. Um, well, you know, I was thinking, dude, I just finally saw the documentary "America Left Behind." Oh yes, the and thing we talked about on last week's City Podcast almost made me want to move back to Dayton, Ohio. I felt the same Cause way, it, man, because it needs so much help. Um, there is, and you know what, I I will say, man, that that documentary it does show the despair. And it highlights the the despair. It absolutely does. There is hope, though. I mean, I do feel like there is a lot of hope in Dayton, and Gem City is one of those hopes. And it's because you and I know a lot of the people in Dayton, and they didn't do a great job highlighting the hope. Although, I saw the hope. It's like when you have a a dark, dark room. You know, if you turn Mm -hmm. the light off that's over our head right now, it's going to be dark in here. Yeah. But you turn on a... Uh, a five watt bulb all of a sudden you can see again and that's kind of what what the documentary uh, uh america left behind america did for me was it shined a little five watt bulb in this dark room so okay so here, here's what i was thinking is if somehow we could get everyone who is listening to this to watch just watch that that hour-long documentary america left behind yeah i think that will help people 
it, it, it will inspire them to help Dayton, Ohio. And it's beautifully shot. It's I know gorgeous. Josh and I are biased towards Dayton, Ohio because right. we're from there. But Dayton, Ohio is truly, especially West Dayton, they need so much help right now. 40% of the city lives in West Dayton. There's not a single grocery store in the entire west side of Dayton. Podcast, Sean, can you put a link to the PBS documentary in the show notes? Just check it out. It's an hour long. It's a it's a very well shot documentary. You know, take Dayton out of it. Take, you know, Gem City Market out of it. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a great documentary. It's worth the watch. But I'm... I'm I am like extra motivated to get to this hundred thousand bucks for Gem City. Yeah. After watching that documentary. By the way, you're familiar with Dayton even if you're not. Dayton is Akron. Dayton is Buffalo. Dayton is Flint, Michigan. Dayton is Detroit. Dayton is Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yeah. Dayton is Saginaw. Dayton is is any of these cities that are sort of in the Rust Belt that have been struggling since the eight, the decline yeah. of uh, of the '80s and beyond, and really started in the '60s. But Dayton was also this thriving city. It was the Silicon Valley of of its time of the early 1900s, the center of innovation. Yeah, and it has changed, but there is hope. And if you see that documentary, I agree that Jim City is actually featured. So, excuse me, somewhere toward the end of it. Uh, and if you want to donate, even if you have a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, a thousand dollars. Uh, then just go to theminimalists.com slash Dayton. That won't even take you to our website. It forwards over to the Gym City Market donation mm-hmm. page that we have set up. And we're trying to raise $100,000 so we can help them build this nonprofit grocery co-op on the west side of Dayton. And we really need your help. Let's get to $100,000, Even y'all. You know, even if, um, let's say, uh, there's a lot of people out there who don't even have a dollar to donate. Mm-hmm. If you live in Dayton... Go sign up for the soup kitchen or something. I mean, there. It's so funny. Like, I was when I was watching the documentary. I thought to myself, man, you know, if they just had the infrastructure, and then I'm like, wait a minute. Like, they don't need. I mean, they do need a grocery store. Don't get me wrong, but money is not going to solve West Dayton's problem. No. Uh, what's going to solve uh, Dayton's problem is uh, community. Absolutely. So if you don't have a dollar, if you live in Dayton and you don't have a dollar to donate, at least go go volunteer for some kind of social program to to help out Dayton. I promise you. Like, a, you're going to meet some awesome people when you volunteer your time, but be like that impact is it's huge. It's going to be so huge. Totally agree. Uh, new on our website right now, if you go over to the minimalists.com, there's a new essay up there. Delete 1000 photos in 11 days. And I put together a recipe for you to donate or to, to, you can donate your photos now. <laughs> now uh, delete. Delete a thousand photos in eleven days. A uh, bit of a recipe for that there. Also, uh, a link to the scanning party. If you have a bunch of physical photos you don't know what to do with, uh, there's uh, something called a scanning party that Ryan and I tend to recommend that has worked out really well for us. If you want to comment on this episode, you can do so over at YouTube.com/slash/TheMinimalist, and you can also find over there on YouTube our living room conversations. We're putting them up every week and we're sort of alternating back and forth between my place and Ryan's place. We're doing some solo episodes. We also brought some guests on as well. Um, We have A Meaningful Life, episode number one. It's our first vlog recap is up there right now. We've got some house tours of both of our homes coming soon. And if you want the podcast show notes, uh, you always hear us talk about the show notes to this podcast, head on over to theminimalists.com and put your email address there at the top. We'll send you the the podcast show notes, any new writings as well, anytime that we release a podcast episode. We'll never send you any spam because that stuff is gross. Ryan, what else you got? Here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hi, my name is Trisha, and I am from Midland, Michigan, Um, and I was listening to the podcast on curation, 
and um, wanted to share my experience in case it would help someone else. So I recently let a collection go. Um, as a child, I collected the state quarters. About once every few weeks, my dad would bring home a Rhode Island quarter for me and had always forgotten that I already had Rhode Island. He died suddenly when I was in middle school. From then on, I collected all the Rhode Island quarters that I came across. After listening to your podcast and changing the way I look at stuff, I let the collection of quarters go two weeks ago. Now, when I come across the Rhode Island quarter, when paying for things, I smile and know the memory is still there even though the collection is gone. The quarters still have meaning to me without being piled somewhere in my house. Hi, this is Liz from St. Louis. I was listening to an older episode on consumerism. Um, a recommendation for the big box stores. I actually use Amazon Subscribe and Save, and I order all of my um, non-wasteable things, such as my toilet paper, tissues, etc., each month. It also keeps me out of the stores by doing that because I only order the essentials, and then I'm spending less than if I went to Target or somewhere else. So I think Amazon Subscribe and Save or something similar would be a great option. Hi, my name is Maria, and I'm in Auburn, Washington. I was listening to your episode on clothing, and I wanted to share another option, sewing your own clothes. There's a huge movement toward handmade clothing right now, so the resources, patterns, fabric, and inspiration are pretty endless. And I think this option would appeal to a lot of those wanting to live a more minimal and intentional lifestyle. When you sew your own clothes, you appreciate them more and wear them with pride. It's also a great conversation starter. Um, You no longer have clothes with tags or logos advertising to the world. You can also choose sustainably made fabrics so you know your clothes were ethically made from the start to finish. You no longer have to go clothes shopping as much so you won't be tempted to consume at the stores. You get to be creative, learn new skills, and you get to listen to the minimalist podcast while you sew. Uh, Many of the pattern companies and fabric shops are also small, independently owned businesses owned by people doing something they love and i love supporting that all right y'all that's it for this episode if you have a question for the minimalists give us a call 406-219-7839 you can also email a voice memo to podcast at the minimalists.com and if y'all leave here with just one message we hope it's this love people and use things because the opposite never works thanks for listening y'all we'll see you next time ryan should we play him out with a with a song from troy savon let's do it all right here is a song from what what, what song is it do you know man single um no it's gonna be a surprise here it is Take a trip into my garden I've got so much to show ya The fountains and the waters Are begging just to know ya And it's true, baby I've been saving this for you, baby I guess it's something like a funfair Put gas into the motor And boy, I'll meet you right there We'll ride the roller coaster Cause it's true, baby I've been saving this for you Second, baby, slow down You should know I You 
perfect season Yeah, let's go for it this time We're dancing with the trees And I've waited my whole life It's true, baby I've been saving this for you, baby I Yeah. I- 